welcome inside episode 104 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. Uh, I'm joined once again by Ryan Ripken. Dude, 104 is so many episodes. <laughs> Dude, it's nuts. I can't believe. I remember when you were just in the beginning starting this off with Brian. I mean, it's crazy how the time flies, but 104, here we are. And uh, it's been an interesting start, I guess, Justin. Interesting, slow, however you want to consider this offseason so far in into 2024 yeah and that's what i that was the that's the lead off thing i wanted to get into today was just like baseball news we don't get a lot of it and it's i was just saying this before like it's very funny whenever like something trickles out in the middle of january like there's not if there's no free agency signings it's funny to see the baseball media collective all come together and be like hey this is our story for the week you get one story a week it feels like although we did have the hall of fame so that i guess can supplement some of that but um We'll start with just like the slow off season. Uh, I don't know what you can attribute that to. Some people are blaming super agent Scott Boris. Uh, there's 19 of the top MLB 50 free agents are still available right now. Six of those are Boris guys. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to think, you know, guys like Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, like even some lesser tier guys are still floating around out there. What What are your thoughts on MLB dragging free agency as we approach February? You know, I feel like it's definitely changed over the years, right? Didn't it feel like growing up or over, you know, the younger years, I guess, for us? Yes, yeah, growing up. Let's just keep it that way. Growing up, it felt like guys signed relatively quickly after, you know, the World Series or before the New Year. Let's put it that way. Now we're seeing a lot of guys going into 2024 not having contracts, going into spring training not with the team. And I'm just scratching my head like, damn. You know, that's that seems foreign to what I was used to growing up. But I feel like that's just where it is. And, and I don't think I think what's been debunked, Justin, is that the guys being prepared. I mean, look, guys train the entire offseason, so they're going to be ready to go. But that was definitely a thought of, oh, no, what if you're coming into training or uh, spring training late? It's uh, that's definitely different. But I think what's just shocking is a lot of teams are just you know, willing to say, you know what, whether they're willing to say we'll hold off or the team or the players are just going to stand firm. And here we are and recording this January 23rd spring church, spring training is what a couple of weeks away, three weeks away. And there's a lot of great names. I mean, Cody Bellinger, we talked about him, Justin. I mean, it very talented player, obviously wants to cash in, but Clearly, some teams are are not willing to pay that type of money right now. Yeah, it's Cody might have set his goals a little too lofty for one good season after like four bad ones in a row. Um, I kind of like though, like if if Scott Boris was my agent, I would be content to sit and wait because you know at the end of the day, Scott's going to get you the best deal possible. Some guys take longer than others, but at the end of the day, you know if Scott's your guy, like I'm going to get my check and it's going to be big, like. That's something as a fan, it's hard to get like grasp because everybody's, you know, they try to vilify Scott Boris is like, he doesn't like my team or he, he does so many deals with only specific teams. Shout out the Nats. Love Scott Boris there. Um, it's weird how like sometimes agents get vilified in this way, but if you're a player, I would just be prepared to like, Hey, wait it out, stay ready. And, uh, and let, and let Scott get your money for you. Yeah, I mean, that has been something that Scott has done. He gets players their money, no doubt about it. But but to your point with just guys like Bellinger, 
uh, you know, we'll talk about Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. And 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 make no mistake, though, like these guys are going to get good contracts, right? They're going to be paid very well. But you know what I wonder, too, Justin, with some of these teams, you know, a lot of the different philosophy nowadays is if this isn't a player that we need to go get right now because we're going or bidding against other teams, these other, you know, organizations are looking at what they have and then seeing, is this something we really want to push? Because there are a lot of teams that might be on the cusp or we've heard some rumors about certain teams that we know want to upgrade. I know we'll talk about the Yankees later, but teams like that want to upgrade. It's no secret, but they still think that they can get by without it. It's like a luxury, right? And right now they want to see, well, maybe in spring training, we have a guy there that that, that can be just as valuable at a fraction of the price. But that's that's neither here nor there. But that's been a continued bat- battle when you talk about giving out these big contracts. I think, fair to say, Justin, we're all about players getting their money, right? We want to yeah. see it. I want to see it. But I do understand with teams – if players do set their sights high, are you always going to get a return on your investment? And that's something as a business person growing up as a player, never thought that. But I do think that's another reason why we are seeing guys hold out longer is because teams are saying, you know what, this does scare me a little bit, especially what we like a guy like Cody. Which Cody are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy that's going to return to MVP form? And, and was that last year a fluke, or is he really, really back? So I don't blame either side, but, man, it keeps things boring, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just, I don't know, maybe I've just become numb to it, but there's so, sometimes you get a little, like, jealous when you're watching, like, NBA free agency, and there's, like, 48 hours of nonstop, like, Woj bombs and, and Shams bombs, <laughs> and it's like, like, damn, we can't can't get any of that. Like, you know, the winter meetings some years are like that. Like, I think – it was like 2019 or 20 yeah i guess it was 2019 like all these guys were signing like i don't know there's a part of me that wishes it was like that but i also because you know i've heard a lot of people out there floating the idea of like what if we just put like a deadline like hey everybody's got to be signed by march 1st or something um and that did kind of work with the the lockout like the, you know the, the day the mlb was gonna lock out that week before was just free agency mania like do you think that there are anything the, – the union would probably never agree to this, but, like, do you think we should investigate some sort of, like, putting a calendar date to this? Yeah, the union's never going to agree to that. But but you're right. Of, of when Whenever there's a deadline put, doesn't it seem like things feel like they're forced more? It's, it's with everything, right, that, oh, we have to speed up the process. And I think just as a baseball fan, we just want to – we're, we're eager to see where these guys are going. But I don't think they're going to put a deadline on it, right? And I don't see why they would, just because it'd be one thing if it was drastically impacting, like I said, guys' performance or health on the field. But there hasn't been enough of that to prove it. It'd be it, we're just we're just we'd be, we'd be selfish, Justin, in that way. You know, we we just want to see where where guys are going, and and these guys too, though. The reason why you're bringing it up. I mean, these are impactful players, and I'm not saying there's going to be underrated signs. There's going to be guys that maybe are overpaid, but when you look at that list right now that are guys that are available and you're looking at all these teams going into the season, those players could be extreme difference makers and, and could be the one piece that could push a team over the top or hopefully the goal of getting to a World Series. 
thought this third wild card would make it so like everybody thinks they're a contender. I mean, hell, the Kansas City Royals have spent like they added like fifty million dollars worth of payroll this year, uh, this off season. So yeah, I thought that might have kickstarted some of this, but I feel like we're still kind of at the same point we always have been. Um, but you brought up something that I actually wanted to go there next was just like the best and the most underrated signings of the off season. Uh, I know there's not that many to pick from. I wish there was more, but uh, when you think of the best overall, like who, who on the free agency market did it for you? Well, I, I think are we talking about with best as far as, are we talking about underrated or best value? Because I'll start with this. I know people don't, necessarily like this from Baltimore, but I'll stick with Baltimore to start here. I still was a big uh, fan of the Craig Kimbrell signing for the value that it was. When you're looking at what other closers have gone for, other relief pitchers, a one-year, was a $12 million, $13 million deal, I believe it was. So in that 12, 13 million range to get a guy and it has another option for a second year, if I'm not mistaken, and when you're looking at around what some other relievers got and you were, were locked into 30 million plus, you know, Ronaldo Lopez, a guy that I've faced and was actually in the Nationals organization with him, talented pitcher, but probably if you're not a fan of the White Sox, you might have not known who he was as much. And he got $30 million over three years. That's $10 million a year. So Craig Kimbrell is a guy that can fill the gap for the Orioles and close out games. So I do like that signing. I think we both can agree on this one, though, Justin. And this is the one I wanted to save is I want you to talk about it. How about Aaron Nola? Aaron Nola was, you know, we talked about this before, really great job of the Phillies getting their guy. He's just a workhorse. Like, you know, you're getting 30 plus out of him every single year. He's been in the Phillies organization the entire time. So the Phillies know everything there is to know about Aaron Nola. They, they signed him early in the offseason. So like they didn't have to have like somebody else around him set the market for him. Like they were the ones that set the price at seven for 172. Like sometimes you'll see like guys' prices will get driven up by like comparable players and it sucks because it's like, you know, for the team, you're like, damn it, we should have got him before. That way we, we could have been the ones that did that. Um, I love it. I, I think that they got him at the right time. He's the great fit for Philly. It's it's a very it's a good one, and I think it's one that not enough people are talking about. Cause everybody's like, Oh, hey, Shohei, 10, 700, you know. But give me for my money, give me Aaron Nola as the best of the offseason so far in terms of free agency. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about, you know, winners of it, you know, obviously the Dodgers, you get Otani, you get yeah. Yamamoto, like two great pitchers now. The only thing to to play devil's advocate in this, Justin, because why not? Just Yamamoto has never pitched in the majors. Now, has he shown that he's fully capable of being a top end guy? Absolutely. But you still got to go through a full season. You got to walk the walk and see what happens. Now, Otani, it speaks for himself. We've seen it. But obviously, the Dodgers are there. But for Nola, a guy, you just brought that up. What what do teams care the most about, Justin, when they want when they have pitchers? You mentioned workhorse, right? You want a guy that's, that is consistent, stable, durable. You know what you got in him. And over the last few seasons for Aaron Nola, specifically 2021, 2022, and 2023, 32 starts. Yes, three three straight years of 32 starts. In 2020, obviously a weird year, only 12. And in 2019, 34. 2018, 33, when he was an all-star for the Phillies. Look, th that might not seem as much. You can look at the ERA, and we know it's been up and down at times, Justin. But 
a guy that has proven he can pitch in the postseason, a guy that loves the big moment, and he's going to go out there and take the ball every five days, sign me up for that. I mean, that is bravo for the Phillies. And what I love is Nola wanted to be back too, so why drag this process out? So really, I'm glad we could agree on that one because, man, I just I love everything about it. And, and Philly, their, their window is still open, so they're going to go try to chase – a chance to uh, to go take home a uh, World Series championship. And they got him for a slightly lower AAV than some of these other pitchers on the market are getting. So um, kind of kind of a good deal. Uh, the most underrated one, and this is, you know, it's not one that's going to make headline news. Like I'm sure MLB Network maybe had 30 seconds on it when it happened, but Kevin Kiermeyer, Kevin Kiermeyer going back to the Jays for one year, 10 mil, is one of the best signings of the offseason. And I know Blue Jays fans will be like, oh, he doesn't hit enough. He had a four war. He had a 3.9 war last season. He won a gold glove. His defensive run saves are off the chart. He's a better than league average hitter in terms of OPS plus. Like, what what more can you ask for for somebody for one year and $10 million? Like, that's that's a throwaway contract, and you got somebody who's bringing four wins above replacement. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think those are those are the deals right there too, Justin. That can really change a team too. We talk about bringing in a guy that can take you over the top that you think is a quote unquote star. How about the guy that, again, Kiermaier's just been a solid player. It's just and to get him at, at that price, a guy that you know what you have, and he could surprise you, but what you do know that you have is a guy that has been a bona fide big leaguer that can make an impact on the game. I really like that a lot. I'm with you on there. Uh, I think a couple that I'm just intrigued with, you know, and maybe it's this case because, you know, Will Smith, it's the the Will Smith, he, he pitches for your team, you win the World Series, right? But I always look at the the one-year deals, and, and Will Smith, one-year, $5 million deal, not his best 2023, 4-4 ERA, but a guy just like you never know what could possibly happen. Those one-year contracts can turn out to be something that's great. And the other one I wanted to go to, which I know, again, sour taste and and for Baltimore fans for him being traded over, but I'm going to circle Jack Flaherty. I want to watch that one with the Tigers. I know that that was a $14 million deal, but the one-year pitchers, because correct me if I'm wrong with this, Justin, Michael Waka had a a one-year deal last year, I believe. I got to check it. But Michael Walker was a guy, I remember when he signed last season, it was a, huh, well, I wonder why the, the uh, it, it, sorry, let me, let me backtrack to this. Michael Walker was a guy that I'd always watched and, and always had been a fan of him as a player, right? But I do understand you go through injuries, maybe our, your longevity is put into question, right? And all Michael Walker has done, oh, sorry, that's what it was. I apologize. He had a one-year $7 million contract in 2022 with the Red Sox. That's what I was thinking of the year before. And look, he played himself into to multiple contracts, and, and that was something that I think Jack Flaherty can do. So that's where I was going with this conversation. And Jack Flaherty is still a young pitcher, you know, and, and I think that's what people need to realize. So I liked what the Tigers did there. So that would be the guy that I'm really circling because I do think he can have a great bounce back in 2024. There's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. I want I want that on my tombstone. I want that as my new life mantra 
There's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Like, if it doesn't work, it's a year. Like, regardless of how much money it is, like, yeah, it, like, here's a good example. We talked briefly about it. It was just, like, our Nationals. How about Joey Gallo for a year five mil? Mm-hmm. This is somebody, like, even when he strikes out 400 times a year, it feels like, his OPS plus will still be 100. He's still going to hit, last year he had 21 home runs for the Twins. Don't look at his batting average. It's not pretty, but uh, he walks a ton. He, he plays good defense. He's like a gold glove caliber outfielder. Like, yeah, why why not on a Nationals team that has no power? I want, I want 25 to 30 Joey Gallo bombs, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, Joey Gallo, yes, you understand the the roller coaster that can be with Joey Gallo. Can strike out a lot, might not get on base at the clip that you want, but can that guy pack a punch and hit some absolute tanks? You're damn right. And and when he gets going, he gets going. So and, and what what's the worst thing? Oh, it doesn't work out and you eat the money or you move on. So what? Or you have a guy that goes out there and can make an impact for the team. I'm with you, Justin. I don't know if you just thought about that with the one-year contracts, but What's awesome about the one-year deals is if it's terrible and it sucks, it's over for everybody. You move on. But if you're the player, which is this is the incentive part, and these guys are competitors. That's why I was looking at a guy like Jack Flaherty and a guy like even Joey Gallo. These guys are playing for their future earnings, for their career. And so that is something you can't underestimate when you have one-year deals because it's going to challenge the guys. It's kind of like a put up or shut up. You you guys didn't want to sign me to a long year deal. Okay. Let me go out and see if I can show you why I'm, or I'm worthy of another contract. Can't wait. But Joey Gallo, yeah. Can you imagine him hitting some, some balls, 450 swings? I don't care if he goes one for five, strikes out four times and hits a tank. You know what? You're a Nats fan. You'll take that. I absolutely will. Everybody on a one-year contract, just like the Michael Jordan meme. And I took that personally. Yeah. It's, what, it's like, oh, you, you didn't believe in me? All right, bet. <laughs> it's like the Michigan yeah. football team. They're all just going to tweet bet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and here, there, here's the. I wanted to, to, to explain one more thing with Michael Walker when I was trying to make the comparison. You know, Walker had a 5 0 5 ERA in 2021 with the Rays. And then he came back with the Red Sox next year on that prove it, had a 3 3 2 ERA. And that was actually before with the Rays. He had a 505 Mets in 2020, 662, and with the Cardinals, a 476. And so, what did Michael Walker say? Great. I'll prove it. And now he's continued his career. And that's the cool thing. That's what I love it. You don't, don't count somebody out. Don't count. Now I'm going to have to go back, go back and look at that Michael Jordan meme or just watch that clip. By the way, phenomenal documentary, too. <laughs> but that's beside the point. We could just, at the end of the offseason, we should just do like an entire episode of just like one year deals. That's like, what if we just break down, hey, trademark, nobody can steal this idea. What if we just break down one-year deals? We just do like 30 minutes of like, hey, this guy, one year here, Joey got Like, that would be, I would love that. I, I would love that too because that would, and we could say if it was right or wrong, but man, it would be fascinating, wouldn't it? Because I bet you, I bet you, Justin, there is a lot of those contracts there. Because you know another one I just thought of, and I was just making sure it's confirming, you know, it was a great one-year contract. Back in, back in 2014 when, I don't know, a certain team in Baltimore, you know who I'm talking about. Who is it? The Boomstick. Nelly Cruz, one-year, eight mil. Shout-out Dan Duquette, dumpster diving. So, and how about that? That was an absolute steal of a one-year contract. You know what? We're doing this at the end. Everyone, yeah. And for everyone listening to this, 
you let us know about one of your contracts, good or bad. I bet you we're going to find them. But it is so I'm, – I'm locked in. We're doing it, Justin. Ever, I think that'll be – we're absolutely doing that. It's going to be so it's gonna be so sick. Lock um, it in. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from two apparel sponsors of this podcast. The first is Zero Negative. They are a brand out to inspire and empower individuals to find a positive message in everything they do every time. They promote positivity and mindfulness in all of their products. Check them out at zeronegative.com. And last but not least, Few Will Hunt. It's one of my favorite brands out there. It's a great American company out of Philadelphia, out to restore the dignity of hard work. It is by far my favorite shirt to work out in. Check them out online at fewwillhunt.com. Now back to the episode. Lock it in. Here's somebody who got seven one-year contracts tied together, Anthony Rendon. Oh. Uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about his ongoing battle against the Angels media. He's He bullied Sam Blum from The Athletic all season by not talking and just kind of not being cheerful. Um, he went So, again, going back to this is our base, big baseball news nugget of the week, Anthony Rendon went on the Jack Vita show. And he said, quote, we got to shorten the season, man. There's too many dang games, 162 games, 185 days or whatever it is. Man, no, we got to shorten this bad boy up. Um, made waves. Uh, Anthony Rendon, I think, has played 200 games the last four seasons. Uh, has been chronically injured. So, yeah, and since 2021, he's played 148 games. So we're taking the COVID year out. Um, for him to be the messenger on shortening the season, tough look. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, and, and this is a thing where it's just, it's just not good. I know people say pub, all, all publicity is good publicity. This is not good PR for Anthony Rendon because a lot of people's perception of him, not that he gives a shit about and people, nor, and nor should he. He's going to live his best life, yeah. but, and, and he's earned it. But the point being, unfortunately for him, since he signed that contract, it has been he has been one of the disappointments, especially for an Angels team that has been disappointing for a while, where he hasn't been on the field, they haven't had success, and now when you're not playing, you're saying that you wish the season was shorter. And and whether or not like he's right or wrong with thinking that, people are gonna be like, Well, screw you, man. You haven't been on the field. And and that doesn't help his perception, but I, I don't even know what to fully even think about it. You know, I just, I just, w I, actually, I do know what I think about it. I wish he didn't say it. I just, I wish it, I wish it was somebody else that said it, not, not Anthony. Cause it could be like a valid, like conversation. It could be something that, that you know, it, it will also, the salaries would be lower cause less games is less revenue. So that would have to be factored in. So um, the 35 year Anthony Rendon makes would probably be less, but uh yeah, I just think it was an odd, and I think he even tried to cage it around like this is gonna be a very lighthearted take. Like, no, dude, that was just your legit, honest to god opinion. Like, that wasn't. You can't even say like LOL JK after that. That's just what you think. <laughs> you can't. It's like when you send a really shitty text and you're like, damn, I wish I didn't say that. It's like, aha, just kidding, haha. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Yeah, I can't. But can't you with messages? Can't you unsend a message? I've, I've never yes. done it successfully, but I've heard you can do it. So I, I just I'm the one going, haha, just kidding, you know, bad text. But with <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, think before you send everyone. That's the message of this yes. episode of Breaking Bad. Or think if you have an iPhone, you delete it. That too. Do both. But if you're like me, just don't send it. Um 
I think, though, with like I said, I think it, it's been a conversation for a while. I, I personally, I don't mind the 162. I think it's always been the game. It is really tough for the players if you wanted to add in more off days or extend the season. Sure. But again, it just people are going to be more frustrated that it's coming from Anthony than anybody else just because he hasn't been on the field. And you're right. If they do shorten the season, that means the price of the value of the player is going to drop. And Anthony was a guy that really uh, benefited because of his uh, his time. And and this is another part. You know, we, we talked about this for a second before we got on here, Justin, but with Anthony – what what's your goal as a as a professional player? It's you know get drafted, get to the bigs, you know stay in the bigs in whatever way this happens. But stay in the bigs, win a World Series, and get paid. And Anthony Rendon did that in all in one year in 2019. The Nationals win the World Series, and then you get the back. And it's like shout out. He deserved all of the money leading up to it. Absolutely, no doubt about that. But what sucks now is, is that you got the big deal. The Angels have been a disaster. And now, you know, people are questioning how much you really want to play anymore. And, you know, that, whether that's fair or not, that's what's happening when you open up these conversations. Um, and here we are, us even talking about it. It's a tough scene. Yeah, it's definitely not, definitely not what the Angels thought they were getting for Anthony Rendon off of a 2019 season where he was just killing it all year. And, you know, I, him and Strasburg got the same uh, same contracts that offseason. So um, that was a bad that was a bad winner for, for spending money. Uh, yeah. Those two guys were, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and just for people to understand, and, and this is kind of how the system is, and maybe that's the whole MLB uh, situation of, you know, the arbitration and teams trying not to wait as long because you paid essentially for what Anthony Rendon had accomplished. That's really what you did. And Anthony Rendon in 2019 and before that previously, Justin, he had three straight years of hitting over 300. I know people don't care as much about batting average, but you know how impressive that is, especially given the day and age. And on top of it, over those seasons where he was just one of the best hitters in baseball, he had three straight years of over 40 doubles. 34 home runs, 24, 25, and two of those three seasons, he had over 100 RBIs. So the dude, when he is healthy or was healthy, was a stud. But unfortunately, what the Angels paid for is not the player that he was with the Washington Nationals. Yeah, it's it's such a shame. He was one of my favorite players, too. Just like He played really good defense at third. He just was always oh, on stud. base. He's like he's a total package. So, um Really sad to see a shell of Anthony Rendon at this point. Um, I wanted to touch on the Yankees briefly. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on their offseason as a whole because I don't know how many more big moves they have left in them. Maybe, who knows? Maybe they'll go out and maybe they'll surprise the people. Maybe the cash man will, will live up to his name. But um, in an offseason where Juan Soto and Marcus Stroman are your, I guess Verdugo too, but um, those are your big key additions. Like, has has Brian Cashman redeemed himself and kind of silenced some of those critics up there in New York? Well, if the Yankees don't win, it's never going to silence those critics, right? But I think that they have done a really good job so far this offseason. And, you know, one of the rumors was that they were in on Blake Snell, right? And, and obviously with Yamamoto, they lost out there. 
I know the people in the AL East, I know the Baltimore roots that I have are not going to like this. I do think the Yankees are going to bounce back. I really do. And and we've seen in the past Aaron Judge, when he's played, that offense was different. And the problem with Aaron Judge over the last couple of years, especially last year, when he got hurt, you could pinpoint the moment where the wheels started to fall off for the New York Yankees, right? You could feel it. You could sense it. Now you add a guy like Juan Soto. So now Aaron Judge and Juan Soto, you have these two guys that are two of the best hitters and players in all of baseball, and they're playing at Yankee Stadium. And then Verdugo is just that all-around, don't know what you think of him at time, but you do know he's going to play hard and he's going to bring a swagger to the team. I think the Yankees, if the Orioles aren't going to win the AL East, I think it's going to be New York. And New York is a team that, Shout out to, to Brian Cashman and, and this team that they're trying to make the push. But let me say this, Justin. The expectation is still the same. So if the Yankees, hey, they win the division, don't win the division. They they don't win in the playoffs. It don't matter. It do not, it does not matter at all. You got to get there first. And I do think the Yankees are putting themselves in a position uh to, to get back to the postseason. I like that take though. Yeah, if it's not gonna be the Royals, it'd be the Yankees. Like, yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I, I could see well, it, but also there's a part of me that just looks at the rotation and some of their players that are be playing every single day, and I'm still just like, this is the same team as last year, and also like Rodon, Rodon and Stroman, like Stroman had an eight and a half ERA second half last year, like you know pitching in, in Yankee Stadium, who knows what that'll look like. Rodon, I don't, that was one of the worst contracts going right now. Um, nasty Nestor has been anything but so you know they're gonna need a lot of guys to you know punch above their weight class a little bit and um really need some guys to stay healthy the entire year so um hey you know what it would give it would give us something to talk about you know rag on cater a little bit that would be fun give her some give her some shit <laughs> oh yeah hey, hey hey i'm all for that but hey you brought up carlos rendon i want i wanted to bring that up and and to give perspective on guys he, he had a rough year no doubt about that and people are going, damn, I'm glad I didn't spend the money. But let me just say this. He needs to go into the season healthy. And if he does, I think uh, Carlos Rodon is going to bounce back to to being a guy that could be – and to me, he's kind of like that X factor on the, that New York Yankees rotation. You know what you have in Garrett Cole. You absolutely know that you got a guy that is at the top of the game. You know what you got. If you can add in an, another guy or two that can that – can, Add to that role, and maybe this is for so many reasons for Yank for the Yankees. It's it's a redemption year, and I'm not going to call it a revenge tour as the team because that just sounds like a load of shit, and I found sound really corny. But what I will say is, guys, we talked about the one year contract stuff. True competitors, when they've been doubted, are going to come and come out and prove themselves in this moment. So this is an excellent opportunity for Rodon. Great opportunity for Strowman to prove, and if they can. Man, this Yankees team is going to look a lot different than they did. And if they don't, then, well, hey, sorry about it. And also, too, Justin, besides the Yankees and the Orioles, right now when you look around, like the Blue Jays, I don't know what's happening with Toronto. It felt like last year was going to be the jump. They didn't take it. Tampa's dealing with a whole lot of issues. You traded away Glass now. Shane McClennan, now I still trust Tampa to find ways to be competitive. but. Glasnow gone. McClanahan is going to be recovering. And then obviously the whole Wander Franco situation. 
not ideal. And then the Red Sox seem like the team that's that to be honest, it just feels like they're the bottom of the barrel right now in the ALE. So yeah, it looks like if you were to if you were to, if I had to make choices right now, Yanks and O's get ready to duke it out. It should be a fun twenty twenty four. Just what we need. We need the Yankees fans in Bolden to be the underdog. We need them to have them have the, you know, everybody against us, us against the world mentality. Cause that's, that's what Yankees fans on Twitter need. So um, I I will, I can't say I'll be here for it, but uh, you know, we'll just, we'll see what happens. (laughs) No, Hey, I'm going to say this. I I guarantee the Yankees are still going to be ahead and the Orioles, even though they won last year, are going to be underdogs again. And I want that. I want the Orioles to be underdogs again. And I I bet you, Justin, if everyone stays healthy to start the year, I bet the Yankees are going to be the team talked about way more than, than the Baltimore Orioles repeating as AL East champs. I like that. Under underdogs. Nope. They're not under under themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're not even believing themselves. Um, we interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Okay, a couple last things. Uh, here's, here's a question about the balance of power in the American league West, because I saw the Houston Astros that went out and they signed Josh Hader, a very un Astros type move. Cause you don't really see them spend buckets of free money in free agency. Like 95 million is crazy. Um, does the signing of Josh Hader, is that like a sign that the Astros are a little bit worried about the balance of power in the AL West? Like are the Rangers just going to be the big bad guys in the, in the AL West where the Houston is having to spend money to try to compete with them? I don't think so. I think that Houston's realizing that their window and opportunity is getting close to an end. Now, people every year have been saying this is the year Houston's going to fall off. The Astros are done, blah, 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 blah. And all they've done is continued to battle. They were one win away from going to the World Series yet again. They're extremely talented. I think this is almost like, you know what? Screw it. We're, we're, we're going in. We're going to try to bolster our, our bullpen. And Hader wanted, and the people were asking, well, why don't why, why don't other teams go after Hader? Well, it's because Hader wanted a big contract, and he got it. Five years, $95 million, $19 million a year, if my math's correct there. I think my math's still there, carry the one, Justin. Um, but they have guys on their team, and when you look at their roster, um, and there's going to be question marks after 2024 with guys like Jose Altuve and Bregman and Kyle Tucker and, and, uh, you know, he's in, even Jose Abreu, like, this is not a young team anymore. So they're going to go for it. And why not? I mean, I, I love what the Rangers did, but it's hard to repeat. It's hard to do it. Um, Astros did what they had to do. I, I like the move for Houston. I think also I know Texas was interested in Hater, So this could also have been a little bit of like, hey, we got to get him before he literally just goes across town. Um, it's weird to think of the Astros as being a team that could be on the decline. They made the postseason every year since 2017. Um, but you're right that it, this is a big ongoing topic is the window because like after next year, it's like Altuve, Bregman, Presley, Verlander, those guys are all free agents, and and the year after, it's a Bray, Tucker, and Valdez. So, um, it's a large portion of your team guaranteed to hit the free the free agent market. I had a question about Hater though. Um, why why is he so anti pitching more than three outs? 
Yeah. I've been asked that before. I think some, and, and I don't blame him for that. I think when people look at it, they go, well, Josh Hader is not a true competitor. He doesn't want to go out there and pitch. And he doesn't want to go out there and, and do whatever, what, what, what any means necessary to go out and get the win, you know, whatever describe to do. I don't think that's fair for Josh Hader. I think he's realizing how much he has in the tank. And I think in, in the comments that he's made of, I want to be able to pitch a, a full 162. And quite frankly, in a situation where we have seen guys go more and more, and, and I will say the playoffs, you know, I, I believe in the playoffs, all bets should be off. That's just me personally. But I do understand during the season of being careful. And when you look at a guy like, unfortunately, Felix Batista, since it's a good example to me, he was the best closer in baseball up until the injury. The Orioles did ride him a lot. And I mean, for a lot of, hey, Felix, get us, get us four, five, even six outs in games during the season. And Felix, of course, is going to say, I want the ball. But in, in this case, unfortunately, Batista's out and Hader is kind of realizing. Look, I or he's realizing what his potential is, and at least I, I'll be honest. Whether you like it or not, he's being honest with it is with what it is. He's going, I can be the best version of myself, but I can only do this, and that might rub people the wrong way. But if Josh Hader goes out and gets you a one two eight ERA with thirty three saves next year, I think you're going to be pretty damn happy if you're Houston. Yeah. It's just tough to see him in the bullpen in the eighth inning, though, like sitting down and then he's watching like the setup guy implode. And it's like, damn, if only we had the best relief pitcher in baseball pitching right now. Um, he, the last time he pitched more than three outs was 2020. So it's that I, I had to like double check that. I was like, no, he, you know, that that was four years ago. That couldn't be right. Um, yeah, I think that that ru definitely rubs me the wrong way. I'm curious if he'll rub Houston fans the wrong way when he, they see him sitting out there. Uh, I know he's a Baltimore guy, but uh, it's a tough look, Josh. It's a tough look. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying is I think it's more so when when it's do or die. In the regular season, I think it's all good. You know, for me personally, if you're, if you're trying to preserve and you, and you have the arms, but if it gets to a playoff mode, you know, and that's just me personally. And, that, again, I'm not the one. It's not fair for me to judge. It's, that's, no one's going to know Josh Hader better than Josh Hader about what he wants. But personally, for me – I got to go out there and I got to go four or five batters or outs to secure us moving on or staying alive. You know, give me the damn ball. That's my mentality. But I also am not a guy that just got paid $95 million and um, is one of the most electrifying closers. But that's just my mentality. So we'll see. And, and, and I think it does help Presley having a guy like that in this situation. That's a good one-two punch, Justin really is it so is. And, and arguably for me i'd have to look at some of the rest of the league but that's got to be near, near or at the top for one two punch for the back end of the bullpen no doubt it definitely yeah they had some guys leave in free agency they had some innings to fill so um yeah i like the signing you know we'll just we'll see what happens with uh you know three plus outs um all right we'll wrap up here uh we wanted to give uh, a congratulations to somebody who's a friend of yours Recurring guest, a friend of this pod, coming back to Birdland. Shout out Tyler Nevin. Orioles traded him to Detroit for cash considerations, and then they got him right back this offseason. So welcome back to Birdland, Tyler Nevin. 
and cash considerations is you hate seeing them all go, but I love seeing that back with the Orioles, man. I, I really do. And, uh, and, and who knows? And this is the reality of the business. He could be here for the season or you never know. He could be somewhere else. That's just the reality of it. But Nev's a good kid, great kid, um, has great stories. And uh, he, he is a, a really, really solid player. And the funny thing is, we were talking about this. It felt like Nev could be 30. But Justin, he's younger than you. He's a year younger than I am, and like, I don't know. I don't, it had me feeling. It got me in my feels. So I was like, damn, like, no. It, that it really sucks when you start into the age where it's like the best players in the sport are just like lapping you in age, where it's like, or you're lapping them in age. It's like, damn, I got ten years on this guy. I got a year on Tyler Nevin. It's like, you know, hey, not not compare yourself to anybody else. We're all working at our own pace. We're all, you know, this is a, everybody's individual journey. But yeah. I if I didn't look it up, I assumed Tyler. Maybe it's just because he's so mature and just a you know professional hitter. I just assumed he was like closer to thirty. So, um, hey, you know what? Shout out Tyler Nevin. Welcome back to Birdland. Shout out Tyler Nevin, baby. Let's go. I, I I'm pumped. We'll see if we get Tyler back on here to to talk a little bit more shop. Uh, great kid. And hey, that's the business. You never know. You think you're gone from an organization? Well, guess what? You're coming right back. He's back. Uh, last thing. So the MLB Hall of Fame announcement was today. Shout out Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre for getting elected to Cooperstown. Um, that's all well and fine. But we did this last year, and I wanted to bring it back briefly here at the end to wrap up this week's episode. Um, it's the guys who got dropped off the ballot. So if you're not familiar, if you receive less than 5% of the vote, you will no longer be eligible to be on future ballots. So every year we lose, you know, a dozen, 10 guys and nobody really talks about them. So, Ryan, I, I briefly wanted to just give some love to some guys that won't be on the Cooperstown ballot anymore, but still a hell of a hell of a career. Um, James Shields did not receive a vote. James will not be back. Jose Reyes also did not receive a vote. Brandon Phillips, dat dude, uh, one vote. So maybe he has like a friend or a relative who's a BBWA member. Uh, I don't know who would vote for Brandon Phillips otherwise. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, one of your favorite defensive first basemen, received three votes. He will no longer be on the ballot. Matt Holiday, father of future Orioles legend Jackson Holiday, he received four votes. That's one percent. Matt's gone. Bartolo Colon, uh, he received five votes. He's not coming back. Uh, Vic- Victor Martinez, V Mart, received six votes. He's off. And last but not least, Joey Bats also received six votes, uh, and he will no longer be on the ballot. For those guys, it's great to be on there. If you received a vote like Brandon Phillips, that's gonna be that's Brandon Phillips' Super Bowl right there. Uh, that's the best thing ever. So, um, you know, we lost these guys, but you know, get to give them a little love right now. Hey, gotta give them love. Hey, hell, tremendous players. Just on the fact of just because they're not gonna be in the Hall of Fame, like the dudes had great careers, and Bartolo Colon just refused to die in Major League Baseball for what two two decades, or start pitching yeah. in. In 1997, and his last appearance was in 2018 with Texas at the age of 45, he was in the big leagues for 21 years. Like, how about that? And and through that 21 years, he had, I believe, four uh, all-star game appearances. And, and shout out him. He did have a Cy Young with the Angels back in 2005. Not a big deal. Matt Holiday, stud. Matt, Matt, Matt Holiday, stud. Jackson Holiday, first overall pick, stud. 
and their and his other son Ethan Holiday might be the number one pick next year apparently. So like, great genes in that family, Justin. Yeah, but solid. But I, I, this is the one thing I'll say with this list. And yeah, Adrian Gonzalez, you're right. He was one of the first basemen I loved watching. Um, the end of an era for these players, man. These are all guys that we've seen do some some tremendous things over their careers, but. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, man. And then there's going to be another group next year that will be on and unfortunately off, and we'll have the same discussion. Sad to see him go. Uh, but you know what? You got to get 5% to stay on. Some of these guys, like, hey, you know, the last one who barely snuck it in, David Wright. I don't know if he's ever going to get into Cooperstown, but I'm glad he's back. Ten years from now, we might be like, hey, David Wright, that, like, seven-year peak, that's a Hall of Famer. Um, so... Yes, the, the Cooperstown announcement is always a very, very fun time. Um, Brian, this has been great. Thank you, as always, for coming in, joining us on the pod. Uh, you know, listen to the Ryan Ripken Show, YouTube, live, Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, and then we do some specials. I mean, it's it's wild right now in Baltimore with everything with the Ravens. You know, it is uh, – people are excited, a little nervous with uh, the AFC Championship happening. So we'll do some specials on some other days. And who knows, Justin, when baseball starts rolling around, you just you just wait and tune in. But I'll be back on here to bother and remind you of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. How about that? I would, I would love nothing more. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you guys next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Now